Good morning. It's, um, it's amazing to see so many people on a day like today. <laughs> I honestly thought we'd have a far lot less people here this morning with the, with the weather it is outside, but God bless each one of you for coming. <clears throat> We've been thinking here uh, this last 10 minutes, 15 minutes about going out and being sent out. And um, my message really has nothing to do with being sent out to other worlds and lands, but it does have to do with being sent out right here. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to continue on the series that I started a while back on modesty. <clears throat> Sorry. And, you know, as I was thinking this morning, Jesus talked about a flood that would come and those who do not obey his teachings, it would destroy, it would be demolishing the person who built his house on the sand. And, you know, if you can imagine if a flood came rolling through here right now, what do you think the first thing we would be looking to do? Where would we be looking to go? Anybody have any thoughts? High ground. High ground. And... In a sense today, that's what the burden is that on my heart is that we would be that lighthouse. We would be that high ground, the city set on a hill. And as the world is crumbling around us, which some of the facts I'm going to get into today may leave you thinking, what's going on? What do we do? Um, could even leave you with despair. But it's the burden is that it would leave you with a sense that we would be the church. We would be a lighthouse. And as everything, society is crumbling and going under this flood, they would look up and see high ground and they would come. Kind of like Roger goes out sometimes and holds these big billboard signs. You know, your dress is that way. The way you dress, the, the things you put on yourself exemplifies. I don't know how many ladies have ever been, I know my wife has, have ever had people come up to you uh, and say, with, I don't even think they've said to her before, I think you're a Christian. They just say, will you please pray for me? How do they know that? How do they know that she's a Christian, that she knows God, that she can pray? Probably by the way she's dressing, by the things she has on her body. I remember one time walking through Walmart and we were just in normal button-up shirts, you know, just like everyday clothes. And some guy came up to me and said, what, what are y'all doing? Like, where are you going? You're all dressed up so nice. And I'm thinking... What am I dressed up nice? I look down. This this isn't that nice, but for him, I mean, I don't know if you've been in Walmart lately, but um, people are coming in their pajamas, and uh, so you know, anymore, it doesn't take much to be a lighthouse. <clears throat> now, the first part we studied and talked about uh, in our statement of faith, it says that, and and by the way, the reason for this message and these series of messages, I don't want anyone here to ever grow up and say, I don't know why we ever did this and why we wear these things. I just do what the church tells me. Like, that would be terrible. So please never use that excuse because now I have it on documented proof. We did. We talked about it. <laughs> um, it says in our, in our statement of faith, it says, brethren and sisters, while in public shall wear modest apparel with, which covers and conceals the body. And so in our first part, we talked about nakedness and how um, in the last hundred years, how much it's degraded, gone downhill, fallen off a cliff, and and that clothes were put on us by God. God made clothes um, in in response to our fall, in response to nakedness, in response to the shame of nakedness. The second part we looked at our statement of faith says clothing shall exemplify gospel simplicity and be free of all evidence of pride and display of adornment. And we talked about the simple uh, dress, the 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 dress that doesn't Say, here am I, the dress that doesn't draw attention, the dress that doesn't say pride. And we talked about this very interesting thought that when God put clothes on us, first of all, Adam and Eve, their first attempt wasn't good enough. But when God put clothes on us, the devil immediately wants to do whatever he can to twist it. And so what does he do? He takes and tries to say, take them off. Or he says, okay, let's use those very same clothes to try to say, here am I, look at me and bring pride to self. Both are rebellion. And uh, God created clothes. Whenever we look at our clothes and we look down, it should be a reminder of the shame that we fell into, the sin we fell into. They're a reminder to us, like a rainbow is, of God's promise. Clothes, in a sense, are a reminder of, of how we fell and the shame now we have from that fall. 
This third part I'd like to venture into um, gender distinction. Um, and in our statement of faith, it says this. Clothing and personal, this is under the appearance sexual, it's appearance section, it says, clothing and personal appearance shall maintain distinction between the sexes. And it gives some verses. I'd like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. It says this, we'll read in verse 1, he says, And you, talking to the Ephesians, hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit thou that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I don't know if you've looked around in our society, but there is a spirit that's at work. It's a spirit that's at work in the children of disobedience. And it says at one time they were in it. Every one of us sitting here this morning who claims the name of Christ were one time in this world, in this mindset, according to the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So I hope you can never come away from a sermon like this hating people. Because every one of us were adulterers or fornicators or enemies of God because of the things we did. But the Bible says we were washed and we were, we were cleansed and we were justified. We were some of these things. And even the, the way the world is being taught today, they're a product of their culture. And, and many of you, second generation sitting here are a product of the culture you were raised in. You can be thankful for that, but don't let it cause you to hate others. <clears throat> second Timothy, Paul tells Timothy that in the last days, and he gives a long list of things that shall happen. Perilous times shall come. Let's turn there and read it really quick. 2 Timothy 3. In verse 4, it says, uh, actually, verse 1, Perilous times shall come for men shall lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemy, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth speakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, heady heady-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Notice it says they're lovers of their own selves. And that is such a definition of our society here in America today. Our society has become turned into a a satanically inspired system of values and ideas that cultivates a lifestyle that is independent from God. Many of our ideologies and and ways of thinking have been walked away from in this culture we live in. And there's thoughts that go out there. You hear this, this, this nice wording, equality. How many of you heard that term, equality? It sounds so good. It sounds so right, right? Satan loves to take things, twist them of what God's original intent was, and then use great words to excuse them. It says he comes as an angel of light. And so they use words such as equality. Turn back to uh, sorry, uh, Genesis chapter 3, please. Genesis chapter 3. And let's just actually take the Bible and go back a couple of pages. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, 27, 26. We're going to get there. (laughs) And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let us have, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing. I want to call your attention to the first two verses we read. 
Notice the repeats. And I've heard in Hebrew, whenever something's repeated twice, there's an emphasis there. Notice the first thing he says, let us make man in our image. And then notice how it's repeated after our likeness. Look at the next verse, verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Why, why was it repeated twice? Because this was important. When God made man, it was something very special. It was made in God's image. It was, it was made in his glory. And he wanted us even further as he goes along. He says that he said to the man and the woman, he said, take dominion over the animals, signifying that we are even different than the animals. We are made in God's image and we are to take dominion. We're to, to fill the earth, subdue it, take dominion and multiply. Now I want you to turn to chapter three of Genesis. <clears throat> After Eve had sinned, you know, the devil came to him. Yea, hath God said, Eve sinned, took of the fruit. The shame of their nakedness came. In verse 16, God is pronouncing punishment. He's pronouncing the change upon them. And he said to this to the woman. And unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband. And he shall rule over thee. Now, this is an interesting verse. I, I don't know for sure how to take that last part, but listen to how the New Living Translation decided to translate this part. And you will desire to control your husband, <clears throat> but he will rule over you. So part of the nature of sin, part of the curse that came upon us is this desire towards the husband, a desire in a woman to take the place of a man. And... May I add to that a desire in a woman and a man, sorry, to just back up and not give into it. But according to God's design, according to God's value system and his rule, he says, the man will rule over you. First <clears throat> uh, Corinthians 11, we'll quickly read that. And I don't, I, I need to move quickly this morning, so um, I don't have time to go into all of this, but this is the passage on the head covering. But in verse two, I would have you, three, sorry, I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and that the head of Christ is God. And so Paul puts out this list of authority, God, then he says Christ, then he says man, and then he says woman. I would have you to notice that even Christ himself is not equal to God in authority. And yet, the society today would not have this be the case. But even Christ finds his place in submission to God. And he, he does that as a, as a representation for how we should act here on earth. But yet, we're hearing everywhere that equality is what is needed. And Satan wants to twist God's plans. Satan would like to t turn everything that God did there at the beginning and twist it. He takes clothes. Here God put clothes on man. It was a good thing after the fall. What does he do? He twists it, turns it into nakedness, turns it into pride. He took work. You will work by the sweat of your brow. What do we have? Satan wants to twist it, turn it into laziness. He takes the man leading the woman. What does Satan want to do? He wants to turn it into rebellion. He takes man, God saying, have dominion over the animals, right? And what, what do we have today? We have more concern about animals than we do children that are being aborted. The, the, the value systems are being turned upside down. <clears throat> Today we hear this term equality, it means self-expression, it means individualism, it means to set ourselves up as God. At the end of the day, what it really means is no one's going to tell me what to do, I will do it my way. What's truth is for you is different than what truth is for me. Anybody got any ideas how some of these, in 100 years, how did these values change so fast? What methods did the devil use to change this value in our society so quickly? Television. Television. Broccoli 
rock music, okay? Other kinds of music. Public schools? Schools, ed- education system, absolutely. Anyone else? A watered-down church. A watered-down church that won't stand up and preach. Okay, what else? The war, all the men going off, women taking the Yes, yes, the wars that happened and the women that stepped up from there. I have here the entertainment, Hollywood. It's amazing when Hollywood would don a new fashion, how everybody wanted to do it after a movie would come out. I have written here, fashion is another way. The biggest people, the biggest names, as soon as they wear these clothes, everybody else wants to wear those. Uh, news. Is news bias? Yeah. Even Republican news is biased. Just news break. But anyway, that wasn't nothing to do with the sermon. That was free. <laughs> Uh, education, the education, I was floored. I don't, I don't know how to say it. We, I think sometimes we live so sheltered. I, I, I saw this book that they give to children in public schools, 10 and older. I don't even think any of us should look at it. It's ridiculous. It's what they're putting out there to the children and explaining all the different sexualities you can be and all the different styles and things you can do to children with drawings. And we wonder why our society is turning this way. The education system is bottom and the medical society. It's turning anymore to no longer science. It's turning into following people's desires over science, what's observable. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And so this has started and been happening for the last 100, 120 years. This began back in the late 1800s time frame up to the early 1900s. There was the women's suffrage movement that first started off with the idea that, you know, women are suffering and they're suffering because they can't vote. And and that, looking back, I, I have to say, as you hear these different things, I say this morning, my one question to you, have our families grown better? Have they grown more integrated? Has our society become more of a, of a, a better society from all of this? So that was introduced in the 1920s, I believe. It was signed in to law after the, that suffrage movement. Then became the women's liberation movement. They needed to be liberated. What do they need to be liberated from? Well, their primary goal was to combat gender inequality. There's that word. Um, and discrimination against women. The li- women's liberation movement was a political alignment of feminist intellectualism. And it emerged in the late 1960s and continued to the 1980s. And it primarily happened here in the Western world. And it greatly affected change throughout the world. Whenever the United States makes changes, it affects changes throughout the entire world. The goal was equality for women. Now that sounds good, right? Equality for women. But let me just say this. In the end, it's code for rebelling against God's designed authority. They, it was interesting how they decided to change society. They didn't decide, let's start by making a bunch of laws. They decided, let's change society's perception. If we can change society's perception, the laws will follow. And that's what happened. At one time, this is a little thought experiment. It would have been and now hear me, I'm going to give you the, the caveat here. I don't want anybody to start thinking any woman that wears pants is somehow this rebellious person in God's mind. Okay, just that's the, that's the thing. But I want you to do some thought experiments. At one time, if a woman were to wear a pair of pants, it would have thought, been thought of as cross-dressing in the early 1900s. Uh, I actually have a story. A woman showed up to court in pants. The judge said, you should not have come here like this. And he ordered the, case, the the whole thing to stop and she had to go home and put on a dress. And she said, no, I won't. I like my slacks. I won't do it. So he said, if, so the next day she showed up again in a pair of pants and he said, stopped it again. And he said, you will, you will now go serve jail time and forced her to wear a dress in, in jail. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the, the point is at one point in time, it would have been thought of as cross-dressing. Okay. That's the point. Now, my question is, if a man walked in today, right now, had a big beard on, and he had, um, I don't, I'm not, okay, Rebecca, you have a nice flowery dress on. 
He had Rebecca's dress on. What would you think? Somebody give me a word. Disgusting. Disgusting. Okay. What else? What? Strange. Strange. It would be thought of as strange and disgusting to us, right? Because we would say he's cross-dressing. He's wearing a woman's clothes, right? Now, it's amazing to think that in 100 years, a mindset could change so much. Think about that. My my uh, wife's grandma lived for that period of time. And when she was younger, she would have lived in the time when it was thought of as wrong. And somehow, by the time she was 80, she was wearing pants. And she, I, My wife told me, she told her, I'm wearing pants, but it's not a man's clothes because it has elastic in the, in the waist. And I, I don't know how she got there, but here's the point. That's not so much my point as this. How can somebody in a hundred years, or she would live 80 years, how could somebody in 80 years change like that so quickly? How, how is that possible? How is it possible that, now here's the thought experiment. Um, we'll just pick on Dennis. Right now he thinks it's pretty right to wear pants and a shirt. And how is it that by the time Dennis is 80, he's wearing dresses? I know that sounds funny, but this is what it really is. And we wonder, I, it kind of shows you how used do we get to things, right? They talk about the, bo- the frog that boils in the, in the pot. How, how is that the case? And I'm, I got to move on. But my point isn't, let's look out at everybody wearing pants now and say they're wrong. My point is this, that we have a reason for wearing dresses. We have a reason. You see that sign right there. This society still knows that for a girl to be feminine, to be a girl, to really say, I'm a girl, like wear the big sign, I'm a girl. She puts a dress on. You know, if a girl wants to be feminine, she was going to go to a wedding, she puts a dress on. If she was going to go to the prom, she puts a dress on. This is what is feminine. It's known still in our society as feminine. Now, of course, I think they want to do away with that. In fact, I'll show you the sign. This is what they want to have now. And, and what that in bigger looks like is is this, you know, this this little half-man, half-woman thing. Um, that That's what they want us to get to. Our, they want to get to a genderless society, and we'll, we got to get to that later. But th- this stuff is running around. This is, this is where our society is. It seems comical to us. It seems funny. It seems disgusting. Some people, it's normal. Some people, it's the right thing. Some people, it's it's what needs to happen. And more and more, it's becoming that way. You stop to talk in any large city, you stop and talk to people. And they'll say, of course, yeah, that, what's truth for them? That's right, yeah. <clears throat> so my point is this, we're trying to be intentional. When we say in our statement of faith as Christians here, we're saying, um, a woman shall wear something. Let me read it exactly so I don't get it wrong. Clothing and appearance shall maintain distinction between the sexes. What we're saying is, we want the world to know we're comfortable with being a girl. And then the others that are guys are comfortable with being guys. And we don't mind just showing it off. We don't mind saying, this is it. We, we, want, we love God's order. And we want to follow it. And so when the world sees you in your dresses, they're thinking, whoa. It's kind of like that high hill. You know, the flood's rushing around. And they're for that quick little minute in life, they're like, whoa, what's this? This girl likes to be a girl or something. Okay, for the sake of time, that's point number one. I want to talk now a little bit. So that's a little bit about just this here. I want to call this authority. Satan is an all-out attack against God's authority. And, and he's going to do it by putting desires in your heart. Remember, we read, her desire shall be towards her husband. He's going to do it by putting desires in a woman's heart to be towards her husband. So when you have that deep down desire, like, I don't like wearing this dress, I dress rather, just remember, there there is a desire. Where did that desire come from? Did the desire come from God? Did the desire come from the Bible? Or did the desire come from the world? And, and mind you, I can't preach a balanced sermon, right? So, so you'll have to give me some grace. Um, it's too, too much to get through. But anyway, let's move on. So 
my boys went to a tractor safety class. And as they were there, there was um, some children who had been in public school and they said, oh, the newest thing going on at, 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 at public school right now is, you know, children think they're dogs. They think they're animals. They're called furries. They, they show up now in animal suits. They bark their answers back at the teachers. They, they set up, this children were telling my children that they set up litter boxes in the gym for the children to go to the bathroom. And we think, this is crazy, but this is a product of the society that lo- at large around us that says, self-expression, do it your way, individualism, don't let anybody tell you what's what. You know, this is old and archaic to let some authority tell you what's right. You find your own truth. Express yourself. <clears throat> so they, they, they really are, it's really happening out there. Um, 30 years ago, I would have never have thought I would need to preach a sermon about this. Think about it. Just 30 years ago. This stuff didn't even exist. When I, school shootings didn't even exist when I was a kid. So, well, look how much has changed in our society. 15 years ago, the last 15 uh, years, our society has been going through a significant transformation. Behind the scenes, social engineers who are harboring hate towards God, his word, and his values have been actively working to shape this new utopian vision in their minds for our culture. Their goal is to move away from static notions of, of two genders. I mean, that's old school to think that there's just two binary, like true or false, um, man and woman towards a more fluid and spectrum. You know what spectrum is like? You could have, you could be anywhere along this gradient. So like, it's, it's a spectrum. You know, it's fluid. It's smooth. It's dynamic. A spectrum of gender. <clears throat> They envision a society where gender is no longer confined to binary categories, but exists along a diverse, flexible spectrum. And this mindset has infiltrated the academic and the medical fields. Those that speak out about it are shunned. It's happening right now. Cancel culture, it's called. You, you speak out about it in a, in a college, and you, you may get, you may not be able to get employment later in your life. They're seriously fearful about this. <clears throat> Many are fearful about the repercussions. Did you know that there are, well, I heard somebody put it said 112 genders. I found online 72 genders. Did you know there's 72 genders? 72. Here's just a couple of them that stood out to me. Uh, there's the Alexi gender, and this is somebody who has a fluid gender identity between more than one type of gender, although they cannot really name the gender they feel fluid in. There's the um, Alexi gender, no, that's the same one. Anyway, this next one, is, oh, it's the angsty gender, angsty. Uh, the gender identity has anxiety as its prominent, prominent characteristic. So if you are an anxious person, then you could be an angsty gender. <clears throat> There's the apogender, which means you're ap- apathetic about your gender. There's the bigender, which means you can actually be the same, two genders at the same time, at the same time. Um, and then there's the existy gender, which is the gender that exists only when they make a conscious effort to do so. So, so I guess that means that if you're not really thinking about it, you don't know what gender your gender are. But if you think real hard, then you might know what gender you are. Um, here's a definition from somebody what a woman is. A woman is someone that claims that as their identity, it could be many things to many people. These are what, these are the people reading our books. These are the people writing, doing our schools. These are the people in our medical institutions. <clears throat> Here is Cambridge. Now, I went back and looked at Webster's 1828 Dictionary, but let's just look at today's modern Cambridge Dictionary to get a definition of the word woman. And it says this, an adult, the second meaning, an adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may not have been said to be that sex at a different birth, at, different at their birth. <clears throat> Sorry. So there's these ideas out there. There's, like I said, gender fluid. There's gender diverse. There's a term called gender confusion. What do you think that means? And you got, you got an idea? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Do you ever hear of circular reasoning? You gotta give other words to find it. 
okay, gender, it means you're confused about your gender. Um, but that's also circular reasoning because I said it just the opposite way. <laughs> gender affirmation care. Did you know, what, what do you think that might be? Gender affirmation care. This is in the medical world. Yes, and they're affirming it. Uh, so um, they want you to respect them. I was reading, they want you, all of us, they want all of us to now, when I meet you for the first time, I don't know who you are, I don't know if you're a male or female, I should refer to you as they, them, or their. That is what they're asking us to do. Please refer to them as they, them, their, because you might you might actually, um, you may frustrate them or um, offend them if you call them what you think they are. <clears throat> Now, these seem humorous and funny. In 10 or 15 years, I just wonder, though, I just wonder how many of you might go to jail for calling somebody the wrong pronouns. Did you know there's a man in Canada who who his daughter decided she wanted to become a male? I think she was 13. And he thought, I'll take her to the hospital. You know, surely they'll see biological. She has the right chromosomes. And we'll be done with this argument. He took her to the hospital. The hospital said, called them up and said, um, we're going to be giving her these uh, hormones to change her in the next couple of hours. And he said, no, you're not. And so they said, well, then you'll have to come after it legally. Um, he tried to go after it legally. I think they still did it. And then he refused to call her the pronouns that she wanted to be called. I th- that would be he, his, and him. He went to jail for it. And you have to wonder what, I get emails nowadays that say so-and-so, and then at the bottom, pronouns, he, his, him. That means I'm supposed to now take that, and no matter what I see, I have to call him that. Well, at least that's what they want me to do. Uh, there's gender dysphoria. That means the sense of a mismatch. So people are struggling with this. Since real people that we need to love and care for are struggling with, I think it's 1.2 million, um, are struggling with this sense of war within themselves that they don't feel like they're, they're 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 trapped in somebody else's body. And that seems crazy, but remember you were raised in a culture that says the answers are here, right? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The, we don't walk by the flesh, right? We walk by the spirit. We we think through this filter. They don't. They don't think for that through filter. They need to be found. They need to be redeemed. In some states, it's actually becoming a protected disability. It's a disability now, and therefore it will be paid by for Medicare. $70,000 surgery will be paid for. It's a war between the mind and the body. And that this one thing I hope we can see here. They would say that they were born this way at birth and they can't change it. You know, we were all born in sin, right? We were all born with satanic nature inside of us. We were all the children of the devil. And Jesus can come and redeem us and he can free us and translate us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And he can give us new thinking patterns. But they need to hear this message. It's good news. It's good news, <clears throat> especially when you hear what happens to these people as I get here a little further. They have now taken the word sex to mean male or female and split it to be two things. Since the 60s, this was started. They want gender now not to be identified biologically. So the, when you say I am male by biologically, but then my gender is no longer biological. It is what I feel. It is my perspective. It is my emotions. And so it's no longer something that is objective. It is subjective. It is based on whatever I feel like in the moment. It's no longer something that can be observed by science. But what does the Bible says? It says to be carnally minded is death. And it says that the carnal mind is an enemy against God. It is not subject to the law of God. And neither can be. It can't be subject to the law of God. Our carnal mind cannot be subject to the law of God. Did you get that? But it does, and it says, 
if we live after this carnal mind, this flesh, here's the pronounce, we will die. That's what Romans says. That's why we need to be born again. That's why we need a spirit of God. <clears throat> Even in this whole situation, women's sports are now being affected. Um, guys who would normally be like mediocre in their, in their sports uh, ability, when they do this change, they're now able to beat out the girls. What does that say? You know what that says? I, I, that says to me, the word of God is true. What does the Bible say? It says that the woman is the weaker vessel, right? I mean, we can just accept this, that that's how God made it, and we can be happy for it. We can be happy that God had a reason for this. And she's supposed to be cared for. She's supposed to be nurtured for. So I warn us, I, I warn you ladies, if, if you have this desire to prove out a man and change him, is it not that spirit that is saying, I don't want what you gave me, God. I mean, if God made me a woman, first of all, I wouldn't be up here, right? Because, because I would be, I would need to adopt and, and bring in and cherish what God decided for me in my life. Rebellion is, I don't want what you gave me, God. But this is happening. Um, men are, Breaking the world records, world records of other women in Olympics. Last year I heard that the, uh, the, the leading, the leading supposed women records were transgender men. And, and these girls, they, they, they practice all their life. They, they put all this energy in and they're just discouraged. They're like, what's the use? What's the use of even competing anymore? Because I heard one person say it's going to someday just be men and transgender because, but you know, that's just amazing to me because that means that is it not right there in front of our face, right there in front of our eyes that God designed it this way in the university of Pennsylvania. um, Some students put together a letter, but they were too afraid to give it to the Dean or whoever is at that college there. So they wrote it anonymously and they had to deliver it through a lawyer. Why were they too? These were girls that were competing. Why were they afraid? Because of the repercussions. You would be labeled transphobic and you would probably not be able to get jobs later when they looked you up. We already talked about the bathroom laws. We talked about the genders. Uh, They have now... They, them, there. So I'm supposed to say Joshua went out to get a soda. They... Uh, should be back here in a bit, and um, they're not here yet. And I'm talking about Joshua. Or now they have new ones, Z, Zim, uh, Ziz. So Z went out to get a Zoda. Z- <laughs> uh, z- uh, z- z- I can't even do it. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I'm not, this is what's going on in our world. Our, our society's falling off a cliff. The more I've studied this, the more I'm just... They're giving children, like 12, 13 years old, they're giving them hormone blockers because, you know, they, they need to pause so they can still have time to decide what they want to be. They're not... Some states are deciding not to put the birth at, on the birth certificate. Let the child decide later. And then the school reaffirms it with the books. And yet, this man I saw, he went to Africa and he um, he just went to this really remote tribe. You know, these people don't have much money. They're, uh, they're poor and uh, they, they live like hand to mouth. Um, they live in huts. And he said, what's a woman? And you know what the tribe's guy said? Pretty simple. He just said, somebody who can have babies. That's a, and, and so then he asked him, so in my country, and he told him some of the things and he said, would you ever want to move to America? And they all laughed and said, no. We don't want to move to that place. Um, I'm going to probably go a little over, and I'm sorry, but I feel like I need to finish this. Um, The surgeries that I was telling you about have a 67% complication rate. 67%. Um, now get this, and I, I want to say this just in case, and I, I, I pray to God none of us are ever tempted with this. But just so you know, 
I want you to remember these facts. 81% of transgender people have thought about suicide. 81. So if you're ever tempted with this idea, this idea that maybe it would be a good idea to rebel against God and just not be thankful for my 81% think about killing themselves later. 56 have engaged in non-suicidal self-injury. 42 um, have attempted. 42 have attempted suicide percent. And then if you go to non-binary, which that means you're no gender, there's a gender of no gender, so I'm not male or female. Listen to these facts. If you now say, I'm a non-binary person, compared to trans men and women, okay, this is on top of, uh, four times more likely to report problematic drug use, three times more likely to experience serious psychological distress, six times more likely to uh, recently thought about suicide. This is messed up. It's 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 bearing its fruit that it's not of God. Uh, Paul McHugh, I want to read this to you. He is from John Hopkins. Uh, he is a professor. He's been on for many years as the service professor of the psychiatric at John Hopkins University. He said, you won't hear it from these cha- those championing the transgender equality, but controlled and follow-up studies reveal fundamental problems with this movement. When children who reported transgender feelings were tracked without medical or surgical treatment uh, at two different universities and a clinic, 70 to 80% of them spontaneously lost those feelings. That means... 70 to 80% of them no longer, they went away after time and nobody ever gave them any medicine or anything. Some 25% did not, did still have persisting feelings. Uh, Let's move on. We at John Hopkins University, which in the 1960s was the first American medical center to venture into these surgeries, we launched a study in 1970 comparing the outcomes of transgender people who had the surgery with the outcomes of those who did not. Most of the surgi- surgically treated patients described themselves as satisfied by the result, but their subsequent psychosocial adjustments were no better than those who didn't have the surgery. In other words, they were happy with the surgery, but their mind was still messed up. It was still depressed. It was still anxious. It was still not fixed. But, uh, he said, but still troubled patients seem an inadequate reason for surgically amputating normal organs. And now appears that our long ago decision was a wise one. A 2011 study at the Karon Selinka Institute of Sweden pr- produced the most illuminating results yet regarding these people. Evidence that should give advocates pause. The long-term study was 30 years they watched these people following 324 people who had these surgeries. The study revealed that beginning after about year 10, these people began to experience increasingly mental difficulties. Most shockingly, their suicidal mortality rose almost 20-fold above the normal uh, non-transgender population, 20%. Um, At the heart of this problem, is confusion over the nature of the transgender. Sex change is biologically... Listen to this. This is a man who was in it, who was at the John Hopkins, who actually stopped it because he said, we're not seeing enough change in the mind. He said this. He said, it's biologically impossible. People who undergo these reassignment surgeries do not change from men to women or vice versa. Rather, they become feminized men or masculinized women. Claiming that this is... A civil rights matter and encouraging surgical intervention is in reality to collaborate with and promote a mental disorder. If somebody came to you and said, I'm, uh, I, I just don't like my arm. I just feel I have a better life if you just chop my arm off. Should we do it? Did you know that's now happening? Did you know that now they are people, there, there's a one woman who would rather be, um, she would rather be disabled the rest of her life. She likes to sit in wheelchairs and She's asking doctors to sever her spinal cord. And doctors are trying to decide if they should do it. We have a mental disorder in our society. And sadly, science is going along with it. Sadly, the educational world is going along with it because it doesn't want authority. It doesn't want authority from God's. And God wants what's best for us. 
How do we get here? I want to read this verse in Ezekiel. I'm just going to read it and tell you about it quickly because we're right at 12. This was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you remember the heinous things at Sodom and Gomorrah? We all think, well, how did they get there? Ezekiel tells you how they got there. This was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, it says. Pride. Does anybody know them? Anybody? Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, and they didn't strengthen the hand of the poor. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Pride. What is pride? Like, we just read about the world, pride of life. What is pride? Fullness of bread. Think about that. Just how full are we in America of bread? And more than, I mean, bread is probably gross to most people nowadays. It needs to be something more than bread. It needs to have stuff on it, right? Like, think about how much stuff we have. I remember seeing um, Gary Miller giving a slide presentation and showing 100 years ago, you know, this much income was spent on food and housing and this much was left over. And now we have this much income spent on food and housing and we have this much left over for entertainment and fun and movies and everything else. We have abundance of bread. <clears throat> Idleness of time. You know how much time children are spending on average in front of screens today? Teens are spending seven point something percent, seven point something hours a day watching TikTok, YouTube, social media, Facebook. And we wonder why we're getting here. Children, I think it was 90% of two-year-olds are, are playing video games. Pride, abundance of bread, idleness, and, and and of course, who's going to want to give to the poor? Like, we have things to buy, th- play, things to play with, things to do, right? That's how Sodom and Gomorrah turned wicked, right? They turned it because of affluence. They turned of it because where their society was going. So, this is the fruit of individualism. I remember I was watching John D. Martin, and they said he said, Somebody asked from the back, they said, what is the biggest danger of the church today? And you notice, I mean, it was, here's an old man, white hair. What was his first, I mean, what would you say if you were sitting behind the pulpit? Somebody asked that question. His first reply before he had a second to breathe was individualism. Think about that. Individualism. Is that not what's destroying our culture around us? Individualism? <clears throat> The fruit of individualism is have it your way. Express yourself. This is a mind problem. What does the Bible say? I want to write this chart on the wall so we can at least get this. Here's our body. I'll just put flesh. I saw this from John D. Martin. I liked it. Here's our our makeup. We have our mind and we have our will and we have our emotions. Now what the world's doing is the devil's coming through our flesh And he's entering into this emotions area. And then he's saying, control your mind by those emotions and that will. That's what's going on. And so we need to be very careful of this in anything because this is how the devil works. He comes in, he he wants to discourage you. He wants to even make you question whether you're a Christian and he's doing it through this way. Now, what the Christian is, We have our mind, and we'll erase this. We have our will, and we have our emotions. And he, God put the capital spirit right there. The way that God works with us is he comes into our spirit. He puts his Holy Spirit, which influences our mind, which then influences our emotions and our will. The Bible says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, right? And so... He affects this, which then takes these things under control, which is saying, I'll walk by the spirit. I'm not going to walk by my flesh. I'm not going to let these emotions or my own will. This is what the devil said. This is what our society is wrapped up in. So I need to close. Um, what can I say to this stuff? Well, two points. Number one, let's embrace gender rules. Let's embrace gender distinction into binary categories, male and female. And can I say this? 
there is going to be a trend in the world for effeminacy in guys. And I, I just want to warn. I'm, I'm not judging anybody. I just want to throw some warnings out there. You pray about it. Think about it. But did you did you know that pink used to be a guy's color before the 1920s? Did you know that? It used to be a guy's color and blue was a girl's color. Something changed in our culture. Now blue's a guy's color. Pink's a girl's color. Okay. So that said, these things are affected by culture, right? But let's embrace what our culture thinks as guy and what our culture thinks as girl in the sense of a color, for example. I would say maybe maybe it's not a great thing for pink on a guy, girls' colors, because that's what it is today. Let's be the last, once it's all changed for sure, to, to embrace it. Another one. Um, now, you guys are going to probably roast me for this one, but okay, just roast me. Sorry. Um, maybe I have this wrong, okay? So give me grace. But did you know that polka dots are a a feminine thing? I looked it up. I made sure. I thought, man, I thought man, I feel like this, but I looked up. Polka dots are feminine. Did you know that? So guys, fill in the blank. Um, um, these things are creeping in, and they want to take it away. Okay, girls, let's let's talk about you for a minute. Um, uh, you're going to have a desire to want to be masculine. You're going to have a desire to want to outprove the guys. At least some of you might. Um, maybe maybe you'll have a desire to put on guys' shirts over the top. You know, embrace femininity. I I love to see you girls in in sweaters that are feminine. I I love that. So. Um, be satisfied, be happy with, with, with your role, with your role of being a girl, being a lady. Um, be feminine, embrace it. Uh, in Deuteronomy, it says this, The woman shall not wear that which pertains unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination to the Lord. So two things I want to say here. Um, number one, embrace femininity and Let's be a lighthouse. When that flood's coming through, let's, the world can say and say, these people are like dinosaurs, but they really do believe in a man and a woman. And they really do believe in family. And look at their homes. Look at their children. Look at the love they have. This is just unreal. As our world falls apart further, this is our one massive evangelistic tool we can use. Like Roger holding the sign. It's a real tool we can use. Two, don't think of these people as could we just find a place to ship them? <laughs> that might be tempting. Let's ship them to this remote island so we don't have to deal with them anymore. They are people that need to be redeemed just like anyone else. It says, and such were some of you. And he talks about homosexuals in that list. He talks about uh, adulterers. He talks about fornicators. And he says, you were some of these things. But he says, but you are washed and you are bought. So just remember that they need love. They were a product of their culture. They read those books that told them this is normal. They don't know. So reach out to them and love them and tell them there is a God and there is his way is the best way. And we can, we can love it and we can thrive in it. Thrive in it. Thank you for letting me go over. God bless you.